0: All go home. James, Mel, Ben, you've stolen my thunder. <laughs> Guess what I'm speaking on today? <laughs> Peace. But I take comfort because in the Bible, when the Bible repeats itself, really means you've got to emphasize it, you've got to listen to it. So, who's ready to roll this Christmas? Are we ready? Are we excited? Are we pumped? Who's washing the sheets for the rallies to come? cleaning the house, who's having lunch at their house for the first time this year? Good on you. <laughs> all that baking. Is anyone getting a little stressed out? Oh, <laughs> can I remind you, 10 days till Christmas, people, 10 days, you can do it. There's not only the stress of Christmas, but there's stress and worry that, is, that happens all around us. In New Zealand, the volcanoes have erupted this week and I hope we've taken a moment just to reflect on that. Brexit and election outcomes in England, Trump impeachment in the US, the Hong Kong protesters, and that's this week. Conflict in Syria, Iraq, Afghanistan, Yemen. And in in Australia and on the radio and TV, we hear about sexual exploitation, the ICAC... SA Health Investigations, I'm still reading that one. Stabbings, murders, child abuse. And then there's the stuff that's happening under our roof. The stress at work, stress with a spouse, with our family, worry about mortgage repayments and job security. And then the extended families coming over Christmas Day. <laughs> and who knows how that day's going to turn out? Will we have enough food? Will everyone like their presents? Will Uncle Bob and Uncle Freddy end up in arguments about something that happened 30 years ago? Will the backstabbing whispers of the ladies be heard as we're about to serve up the meal? (laughs) And this is the season of hope and love and peace, everybody. It's Christmas. (laughs) This is how Google, thank you, Mel, defines peace. Um, Google defines peace as the absence of conflict or a period of time where there is no war. It's freedom from disturbance. That's how Google defines peace. We talk about peace when we're getting along with people and when we're not in conflict now with this one. I've just put that in there. That's my dream one day. Okay, Ben? <laughs> to have one of those little houses over the water, that is peace for me. <laughs> in, we have peace time during, due to peace treaties, We talk about having a peaceful day without troubles or issues. We have a peaceful, uninterrupted night's sleep. Not yet, Mel, but there's hope. The Bible describes peace. Oh, look at that. Isn't that just peaceful? Who could put yourself there? Keep going. Oh, yeah. The Bible describes peace as shalom in the Hebrew and Irani in the Greek. Shalom means harmony, wholeness, completeness, prosperity, welfare, and tranquility. It means to experience God's highest good and enjoy the very best, receiving wholeness and soundness. In the Greek, it means unity and accord. It means to bind or join with God and with others. So in other words, when we experience biblical peace, We have wholeness, completeness, harmony when joined together in relationship and in unity with God and others. And as always, it starts with Genesis 1. When God created the heavens and the earth, including the people, he said it was good, and then he rested. Why? Because everything was right. Everything was peaceful. There was shalom. There was harmony, wholeness completeness, prosperity and tranquility. So sin entered the world through Adam and Eve's disobedience which automatically broke that peace between God and man. And sin means not meeting God's moral standards and it separates us from God. It's to miss the mark set by God. And importantly, the root of sin is that it does not desire to glorify God but would rather do its own thing. It separates us from God. Yet, as, as we will see, the very first thing the angels did in the reconciliation process between God and man was to glorify him. Sin has that uncanny way of breaking down peace and causing division and unity, doesn't it? It can bring heartache and turmoil, confusion, hurt, pain, guilt. When we lie or cheat someone, we lose their trust. And this can result in a rift between that person and ourselves. When we inflict pain or suffering on someone, we're robbing them of completeness and wholeness. Sin is the absence of harmony and wholeness, and sin destroys peace. Enter Jesus. Isaiah 9 says, and we know the verse, for unto us a child is born. (laughs) Perfect timing. (laughs) She's been everywhere. She's been Jesus everywhere. <laughs> Unto us a child is born, and to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end, and he will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing it and upholding it with justice and righteousness forever and ever, Amen. And the zeal of the Lord will accomplish this. I love that last line. The zeal of the Lord will accomplish this. This is the Bible's way of saying, Jesus, God the Father was pumped. He was excited. He was um, eager. He had passion and delight to see his son enter the world so that peace could be restored. The zeal of the Lord God Almighty will accomplish this. And when Isaiah describes the Messiah as prince of peace, he is saying Jesus is the prince of harmony, of wholeness, of completeness, of prosperity, welfare, and tranquility. I like that word, tranquility. Jesus was coming to restore the broken relationship with humanity. And his life, death, and resurrection would bring good news to the poor, would bind up the brokenhearted. Jesus came so that the broken pieces of our heart would come back together again, to wrap them and bandage them and bind them together in love. Jesus came to heal our heart, to set us free from the bad decisions and the wrong judgments which can torment us, to release us from darkness and bring comfort, and to offer forgiveness of sin. So this morning, peace is not only the absence of conflict as Google would like us to believe. Peace is so much more, much, much more. The biblical peace says, I'm taking what is currently broken and because of my great love, I will do all these things and bring you back to a state of wholeness and peace. And as you continue to glorify me and as you continue to thank me, you will continually experience my peace. Now that's the sort of peace I want. Is that the sort of peace you want this morning? Wholeness, tranquility. Say with me tranquility, tranquility. I like that word. Now that's the kind of peace that only Jesus can offer. In Luke 2, Jesus has just been born in Bethlehem and the excited angels have been given the green light to go and appear to the shepherds. The angels could have said a 100,000 different attributes about our God, yet suspended in midair, the angels' first and foremost focus was their praise to the heavens, where God the Father is reigning. And they were saying, glory to God in the highest. Glory to God in the highest. And the next line, and peace on earth, to those with whom God is pleased. That brings us down to the fields where the shepherds were. There's a huge distance between the highest heaven and earth and Jesus was going to be the perfect mediator to bridge that gap, stepping down from heaven to be born as a baby. The son of man and the son of God would be the carrier of peace. Colossians 1.20 says, For God was pleased, there's that zeal, there's that, yeah, I'm pumped, Jesus is coming. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace, being that peacemaker, through his blood shed on the cross. And Ephesians 2.17 says he came and preached peace to, who, to you who are far away, that's the Gentiles, that's you and me, and peace to those who were near, that's the Jews. For through him we both, that's everybody, has access to the Father by one spirit. In other words, every single person on the face of this earth has the ability to choose to live in freedom, tranquility, wholeness, completeness and knitted together in relationship with God the Father because of what Jesus did but the decision's ours we get to decide whether we have relationship with him to be reconciled with him and have peace with him glory to God in the highest and peace on earth with whom God is pleased glory ascended from man to God peace peace Descended from God to man. Man will always have the ability to receive peace. That was Jesus' entire mission and purpose on life. And this promise is for those who put their faith and trust in God, who choose to glorify him. God offers true peace to the whole world, but only his people receive it and enjoy it forever. What kind of peace do you want this morning? This peace that's available to everyone, I want to take a moment and just reflect and consider our relationship with God. Have we received the peace that the angels are singing about? Or is there something that might be hindering our ability to be at peace with God? Maybe you're not feeling peace in your life and you need Jesus to come and fix that brokenness, hopelessness, emptiness. By inviting Jesus into your heart and making him your Lord and master of your life. Can I tell you if you do, that will be the best decision you have ever made. To know that Jesus loves you so much and that he died that you might have peace and harmony, purpose and hope. If you want to experience that kind of peace this morning, Pastor Ben or I would love to chat with you after the service. Maybe there have been things happening in your life where you've blamed God. Or there's some resentment or offence or feeling of unfairness or anger towards God. These feelings are causing you maybe to feel like there's no peace or hope in your life. Maybe disheartened or distancing yourself from God. Wondering if he's even out there. Again this morning, please feel free to come and speak with Pastor Ben or myself if you'd like some prayer. The next type of peace I'd like to look at is peace with ourselves. So that was peace with God. This is now peace with ourselves. Statistics show that one-third of corporate Australia are suffering from some kind of mental illness. Of that third, 36% are suffering from depression from the past, 33 are suffering from anxiety for the future, and 31% are suffering from stress for today. And that's compared to 20% in corporate Australia a decade ago. That's crazy, isn't it? Another study found that all Australians, more than a quarter of us, are stressed and anxious right now, with financial worries being the biggest contributor to stress. That's full, that's full on. That's pretty huge statistics, yeah? And sometimes we can get ourselves into a tizzy, can't we? We can be our own worst enemy about the stresses of today. We can be quite hard on ourselves and have unrealistic expectations of perfection and have high levels of self-criticism. We can get stressed when we're not in control. For as long as our thoughts and feelings are running wild inside our tormented head, it's hard to see past the night, let alone the end of the week. Lack of peace and tranquility can lead to stress and ulcers sleepless nights, heart palpitations. It's pretty negative service, isn't it, (laughs) Sermon? High blood pressure, there is hope. (laughs) Putting this kind of stress on your body can have long-term damaging effects. And this type of stress, it can be from anything. It could be from a past event, from a decision of guilt or something that was said, something that wasn't said. And maybe you've regretted that situation. And this is tough, especially when the consequences can be big. Turmoil can be from current situations where there's conflict right now or maybe what we're doing is contrary to the word of God or there are external pressures and expectations. Maybe we're stressed about the future, anxious about job security, finding the right spouse, fear of going into the next chapter of our life, anxious of going to high school, uni, new baby, new job, marriage, new anything. That can bring stress. And the enemy is loving life as we toss and turn at night. John 10 says the devil comes to steal and kill and destroy, and of all the things the enemy wants to steal and kill and destroy, peace is almost near the top of your list. He intentionally stirs up discord, division, disruption, both within you and around you. He is the lord of chaos and confusion, using every opportunity to upset your well-being. He wants... You uneasy, unbalanced, filled with anxiety, lacking peace, and not wanting to glorify God. So what do we do? How can we remove this stress and obtain peace within our lives? Jesus promises us peace in John 14, 27, and he says, Peace I leave with you and peace I give you. Do not give. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your heart be troubled. And don't be afraid. He doesn't promise that we'll never experience storms and stresses in our life. But what he does promise is to give us peace through them. This verse says, Jesus doesn't give us the peace as the world gives. So what sort of peace does the world give? It gives a false substitute for peace. It says, go for a walk. Do some deep breathing in and out. Eat a bucket load of ice cream. Take meds, take drugs, ease the pain. Immerse yourself in your work or your hobby. Have a massage. Do some positive talking. That's the sort of thing the world says. And while some of these things might be good, they are not the substitute for the, that what, um, that what peace that God gives. So how do we receive God's peace? Well, the angels showed us what to do. The angels in Luke 2.24, they got the order right when they sang glory to God in the highest and then peace on earth to all those he favours. Glory to God in the highest. We won't have peace with ourselves until God becomes the most glorious in our life. Until we are consumed by God, until he is our priority, And when we speak of how good he's been to us and his faithfulness to us and we worship him and we adore him, that is when we find peace. We must come to realize that we are not defined by the output of our work or how well we multitask. We're not defined by our social status or the dollars in the bank or the number of Facebook likes we have. These are the things that are stressing us out. They're not defining us. So when we put those things lower down on the priority list and instead make God the priority and acknowledge him as our supplier, as our Lord, as our saviour, we start to realise that we are defined by him and not by those other things. And this changes our perspective on everything. When we are defined By what God thinks about us and not what the world thinks about us, we find peace. When we look up to God, the things around us are put in proper perspective. The Apostle Paul in Philippians 4 confirms this. He confirms what the angels are saying. And he gives us practical advice on how to handle our stress and mess and bring us back to peace with ourselves. Paul says, "'Rejoice in the Lord always.'" I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guide, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The first thing we need to do is rejoice and don't stop. Paul repeats himself here. He is emphasizing the point. He's saying that even when there may be no joy, nothing, nothing but absolute excruciating pain and hurt and guilt in your circumstance, the Bible says to rejoice and to be thankful. That sounds so contradictory. Like I'm telling you, that's an absolute killer. How can I rejoice and celebrate when I'm feeling like this? I don't know about you. You guys might have it down pat, but I'm not good with that. I'm sure we all have our negative, we've all experienced our negative minds getting the better of us, where our mind strays out of control and we very quickly start thinking about bad things. We automatically think the worst that can happen. We, this sends our thoughts into suspicion, insecurities, um, spiralling downwards real fast. We can become paranoid and overreactive pretty quickly. We can overanalyze things and blow things out of proportion Have have any of us experienced that before or is that just me? Our negative minds get the better of us sometimes. But the antidote to this is to train our mind to think positively by focusing on the goodness of God and to rejoice. What Paul is saying is that as we rejoice, we are stepping out in faith. We are trusting God. Our words and our head is saying that despite what is happening all around me, Jesus is Lord, Jesus is in control, Jesus is sovereign, Jesus is the prize, Jesus knows and Jesus cares and he understands and this is faith in action despite the situation, despite what is happening to me, I'm gonna rejoice and as we rejoice, God slowly changes our mindset And it's turning our minds away from ourselves and onto God. It's thinking of God's goodness, his grace and forgiveness towards us. It's speaking life into our situation because our words have power. It's reminding us that Jesus has come to bind up the brokenhearted, to put the pieces of our heart back together. This is the process that we are bringing glory to God. We are singing with the angels at this time as we rejoice through what is happening. We are saying glory to God in the highest. I don't know what's going on around me, it's getting out of control, but glory to God in the highest. Our situation may not have changed. You know, you still might not have that job. There might still be that relationship that's not fixed up. There might be that sickness and that brokenness around you, but you know that God is in control and that his promises says he has a plan and a future and a hope for our life, amen? And that is what you stand firm on. And we can do this by being grateful for what he has done in our life. Sit down this afternoon. Write a list of all the things that you are thankful for to God. Praise him when you get out of bed in the morning, when you're feeling worried in the middle of the night when you can't sleep. Praise him, pray, sing to him. Let those first words that come out of your mouth in the morning be glory to God despite my situation. That is faith. That is trusting God. Ask God for a verse or a song that you can hang on to while you're going through this situation. I've had so many stories where I've asked God for a scripture in my life and he's placed one one on my heart and it has just got me through. It has got me through. And then I can remember that verse and it can be a landmark of where God was faithful to me in that time. He was faithful to me in that time. He was faithful to me in that time. So now in this situation, guess what? He's going to be faithful again. We need that. The second thing Paul asks us to do is to let our gentleness be evident to all. We need to ask God to help us be gracious to those around us. I know that when I don't have peace with myself, I can get a little bit cranky with Ben and the kids, and I think the Apostle Paul knew that too. (laughs) So he says, be gentle. Don't go around blaming others getting mad at everyone else because you're feeling all anxious and worried. Hold your tongue. Show kindness. Ask God for gentleness and peace and calmness. And remember, don't be too hard on yourself. We need to forgive ourselves. If we ask God for forgiveness, 1 John Nine promises that he is faithful to forgive. If God can forgive us, we should be able to forgive us. Forgive ourselves, otherwise we're not trusting in God, are we? Thirdly, Paul says we must talk to God and don't give up talking to God. Ask God for help. Explain to him that he's just got to come into this situation and something supernatural just has to occur. We need his comfort. We need his peace. And as we come to God with our prayer and with our thanks, as we rejoice and be gentle, do you know what? Peace comes. This is where the peace of God meets us. This is the peace that transcends all understanding. Because logically right now, everything should be screaming and crazy and I should be anxious and worried, and yet I find peace. That's the transcends all understanding bit. As we put our trust in God, this exercises our faith and he promises us peace, which guards our hearts from bitterness, and guards our minds from negativity. Dwell on these things. Journal them. Talk to others about them. Sorry, after we've prayed, we give it over to God. And the onus is back on us. That passage in Philippians, it goes on to say after he will guard our hearts, is that we've got to think about whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. It's all part of the same text. Because we've been anxious and God says, as you step out in faith and you put your trust in me, we have to change our mindset and our mindset now needs to dwell on those positive things, on the good, on the noble, on the true, on the admirable. So dwell on those things. Journal them. Talk to others about them. Allow your mind to remember what we have seen as true and pure and lovely. Allow our minds to be reprogrammed from what is anxious and crazy to what is love and pure. And if this means changing the channel, turning off the radio, stop meeting that friend, then do it. The passage goes on to say in Philippians 4, whatever you have learnt or received or heard from me in our time of prayer, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. That's a promise. That's a promise this morning. See, it's not about our circumstances being peaceful without the absence of conflict, but it's about finding peace despite our circumstances. This is the type of peace that can only come through God. He is the God of the highest heaven, and he must be glorified. And lastly, peace with others. Romans 12 verse 18 says... If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everybody. This is the peace that we have the least control over. We have control over our relationship with God. We have control over peace with ourselves. But when it comes to others, that can be out of our hands. What I do know, though, is when we have peace in those other two areas, this will put us at an advantage when we're faced with our horizontal relationships, with those relationships with others. So coming to Christmas, as the old saying goes, we can choose our friends, but we can't choose our family. Maybe your family is fantastic. That's that's really great. There might be others here who are going to have to walk through the front door of that relative's house on Christmas Day and you're just gonna have to hold your breath and put on a brave face because you're not sure what's gonna happen. Or there might be brokenness in a relationship with a family member or a spouse or a son or daughter. Maybe there's been a breakdown of communication with a colleague at work. What used to be harmony, wholeness, tranquility is now tension, disunity, resentment, jealousy. So what does the Bible say about living at peace with one another? Ephesians 4, 32 and Psalms 34 give us some helpful hints. Psalm 34 says to seek peace and pursue it. Pursue peace. We're to look for and search for peace. We need to be proactive about being a peacemaker. Don't get all self-righteous and say, oh, it wasn't my fault, I shouldn't do it. No, we need to seek peace. Pursue it. Be the bigger person. It's harder. It's the harder way to go, but it's more beneficial in the long run. We need to show kindness. Continue doing good, even when they don't do good to you. That's another killer, isn't it? But continue to do good. Continue to do good. Show compassion. Try and put yourself in their shoes. Look at it from their perspective and ask God to help you To give you wisdom to achieve this. And lastly, forgive. These things will keep our hearts soft and right before the person. And you know what? More importantly, it's our heart towards God. At the end of the day, we are responsible for our own actions and our own heart. And if after all we do, we can honestly say that we showed God's love and kindness towards them, yet there's still animosity in that situation, then that's between them and God. And sometimes it might not work out. But continue to pray. Continue to show them love. Continue to show them compassion. And glorify God in the situation, in that moment. So I pray this Christmas that you find peace. I pray that you find peace with God. I pray that you find peace with yourself. And I pray that you find peace with others as we continue to glorify him Worship him and adore him just like those angels did 2,000 years ago. Amen. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are the Lord of peace. I thank you that you were so excited to bring your son to heaven so that you could have reconciliation and relationship with us and that Jesus is our Prince of peace. Oh, Lord, remind us to exercise peace this week and in the next 10 days as we experience peace as we're finishing up from work, as we are coming to Christmas with family and relatives. Lord, give us uh, kindness. Give us compassion. Lord, give us the ability to forgive and to talk through situations. And importantly, Lord, give us inner peace with ourselves as we honor you, as we glorify you, as we remember why you came down to earth as the son of man and as the son of God, our Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you for all that you are and all that you do, Lord Jesus. And we give you all the praise and all the honor and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.